Worship in the World, a screen-free worship experience is brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us virtually today. Our relationship with God only grows with honesty. Let us now be honest with God, with ourselves, and with one another as we confess our sin together. Loving God, we so often forget that we are made in your image. We especially forget that those whom we disagree with are also made in your image. 
Forgive us of the times this week when we acted out of jealousy, greed, hatred, and pride. Move within us, God. Wash us clean and continue to transform our hearts and minds to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us now confess silently. The good news is this, as Sean and Zan sang earlier, God abides with us always. It doesn't matter what we do. God does not forsake us or abandon us in our sin. Rather, God forgives us and calls us to life and life everlasting. In light of our salvation, let us live into that call as a forgiven people. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Interruption. This is Lisa Hammersley. I'm a member here at Downtown Church and an elder. And normally I would be hopping up right now to get a coffee refill. But I just wanted to give you a quick update. Our oldest daughter, Janie, started last month at the University of South Carolina, my alma mater, and is loving it. Our twins, Ella and Bo, are in seventh grade, and because of COVID, they get to be in every single class together at school. They are thrilled. Um, we are really looking forward to seeing whoever can make it at 8.30 on Sundays to worship outside in this great fall weather, if you feel comfortable with that. Um, otherwise, you can sit in the car as well and listen on the FM station. 
and I hope everyone stays safe and we can't wait to get back to a new normal and see everyone's faces. We're about halfway through our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. We pick up reading after the feeding of the 5,000. And if you're reading along in your Bible with me, I'm reading from chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after saying farewell to them, Jesus went up on the mountaintop alone to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And when he saw that they were straining against the oar, against an adverse wind, he came towards them in the early morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but... When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw them, him, and they were terrified. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, It is I. Take heart. Do not be afraid. And then Jesus got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were utterly astounded, for They did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Title of today's sermon is Face the Wave. There's this painting that hung in my grandfather's pastoral office a beautiful, large painting about four feet wide and three feet tall. The image of Jesus in a boat on the sea. And the sea is raging. The bow of the boat is slowly creeping up the largest wave you've ever seen, and it's mountain-like, and Jesus faces the wave. He looks directly into the face of danger. The painter uses um, pink specks of color to mark the crest of the waves, to capture the beauty and the mystery and the unmistakable and sometimes violent force that is Mother Nature. In any other circumstance, if that scene had played out, the end would surely result in a capsized vessel, and yet Jesus is steady. That image sticks with me. The contrast of one body, so small in the wake of this tremendous wave, it's like David and the face-off with Goliath. I find myself rooting for the underdog but bowing to the giant. I never asked my grandfather about the painting. It seemed pretty straightforward at the time. Christian pastor, painting of Jesus, check. But now I'm wishing that I had asked more about the story for 
for the, the artwork that we surround ourselves with, like the people we surround ourselves with, they have great impact on us. The more exposure we give ourselves to a piece of art, the more it speaks to us, the more meaning we draw from it. What meaning did that image have for my grandfather? What, what meaning did it have for those who would come to his office seeking care? I've never asked my grandfather about that painting, but knowing him like I did, I have a good guess. My grandfather was a boat captain. He loved being on the sea. We laugh as a family that most Sundays, under his black preaching robe, he wore swim trunks, just ready to get in the car, get in the boat, get out at sea, where no doubt he felt closest to Jesus. And his captain, Jesus, would, would guide him through whatever the sea held. Now, to be clear, my grandfather did not go looking for danger. He would take the necessary precautions for safety, checking the weather forecast, talking to other people out on boats on the water, ensuring that his boat was maintained and had the right number of life vests. Still, still he knew that the sea was a force of its own and that there would be times when he would be caught off guard, when a storm would surge and he would need to rely on a strength beyond that which he possessed inside. My best guess is that this reliance on Jesus is what that painting meant for him. That in the face of whatever danger, the wave of a lifetime, Jesus was in the boat with him, facing the wave with him. Well, Jesus doesn't need a boat in the scripture that we just read. We find Jesus, apart from his disciples, there in the boat after the feeding of the 5,000. He's on the mountaintop. And when he's on the mountaintop, he sees his disciples in distress against the oars, against this great wind, and he comes to them walking on water. When he arrives, he tells them not to be afraid. He calms the storm. And all of this is on brand, right, with what we know about Jesus, with God, our creator from the beginning of time. God has power over the sea. God shows compassion on God's people. With God, we don't have to be afraid. And yet, yet when we put our very human feet in those human shoes of the disciples, we can understand why they are so terrified by what they see. This story takes place in the middle of the night, sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., so it's dark, and there's distance between them. It's, it's likely that disciples haven't slept. They began that day with the promise of rest, but that didn't happen. They were trying to get away from the crowd, but the crowd followed, the crowd grew, the, the crowd got hungry, and before they knew it, these disciples were, you know, surpassing their 10,000-step goal, delivering baskets of food to the crowds, food that they still didn't understand where it was coming from. Wanting to stay true to the promise for rest, Jesus sends them off ahead of him in this boat to their next, their next destination, but the disciples don't get to rest on the water. The storm surges around them that requires them to get up, throwing their weight against the oars to keep the boat upright in the storm. 
And it, it makes sense to me, knowing this about the disciples' day, that when Jesus appears to them in the middle of the night, in the dark, that they would get a little freaked out, a little overstimulated. The text says that their minds were confused and their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened like Pharaoh's heart, hardened against the Israelites. A stubborn turning off toward one another. We don't want to read about the disciples having that response to Jesus, and yet it's what happens. They turn off after too much for one day. Pure exhaustion and confusion, their hearts are hardened. They're stuck where they are. They cannot perceive the possibilities of what all of this means. Of course, we want something different for the disciples. Facing a storm, seeing Jesus come to them, we want their hearts to soften toward him as he saves them. We want, we want them to have gratitude for the miracle, to be eager to see more, but they can't, y'all. They're too stressed, too exhausted, too scared. And we can relate. If you think of a time in your life, maybe it's happening right now, when there's this massive wave, massive force that you're coming up against and, and you know how the disciples feel. You know what it's like to feel hopeless, for depression to sink you down and make you feel like like no one in the world sees you or that no one in the world needs you or that no one can help. But we are here. We do see you. There is help. Or you know what it's like to feel like you want to give up, like you want to take a leave of absence from your life, from parenting from this pandemic, from the mounting bills and spreadsheets that won't reconcile, from that voice that tells you you can't do it any longer, that voice is wrong. You can. You and I, we have compassion for these disciples in the face of this wave because we know how hard it is to live through crisis and try to process it at the same time. Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, coins this term, the Stockdale Paradox. The Stockdale Paradox was named for Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was captured during the height of the Vietnam War and held captive as a prisoner of war for eight years. For eight years, he was tortured. He had to experience long periods of isolation and silence and he never knew when it was going to end. Stockdale came up with a coping mechanism, tapping your feet to communicate with other prisoners. It was different from the Morse code so the guards couldn't decipher it. The prisoners came up with it together such that when they were walking the grounds or mopping 
mopping, doing their chores, they could tap their feet and communicate with one another. And even that tiniest gesture of human interaction, of meaning, helped get them through. When Jim Collins asked Stockdale who didn't make it, Stockdale said, that's easy, the optimists. The optimists, oh, they were the ones that would say, we're going to be out by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving and then it would be Christmas again. They died of a broken heart. Stockdale says the resilience comes from this ability to face your current reality head on to take stock of all of the facts, as brutal as they may be, and then to have the strength to know that you're going to make it through whatever comes. The disciples show this resilient grit. They didn't casually fall asleep in the boat expecting Jesus to come solve all their problems, and they didn't fall to despair, to the force of the sea, They used what they had, they banded together, they struggled against the oars. They trusted that they were gonna make it through and they made it through. The difference between the disciples and the prisoners of war, at least how Stockdale talks about it, is the source of that resiliency, the, the source of the ability to make it through. For the disciples, they put their faith in Jesus. They may not have known how he was going to come. They were surprised by it or how he was going to save them, but they knew that with him, they would make it through. The disciples' faith is complex, like our own. They had that faith they would make it through, but when they saw Jesus coming on the water, they are terrified of him. Their hearts harden by the trauma that they experience. And and that, I think, gives us permission to give ourselves some grace. That as we experience crisis and as as we try to understand it and process it, we can still be afraid and we can still shut off. Jesus still comes to us, crawling in our boat, facing the wave with us, making sure that we, we make it through. That painting that hung in my grandfather's office is a constant reminder to me that we can do hard things. And with this scripture, it serves that purpose as well. You know, the disciples, they made it a good ways across the sea by their own internal grit and determination, by banding together, working together. But they weren't alone. Jesus was watching them. Jesus came toward them. Jesus got in their boat. And he's in ours too. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Dawn. Hey, Lucas, you sound tired. I'm a little tired, a little, um, just heavy, you know? Mm -hmm. The world feels heavy. Not heavy like you had too much mac and cheese. No, not, I wish, <laughs> I wish I might have had that too. Just heavy with, there's, there's a lot of hate going on, mm -hmm. and, um. Jesus wasn't really about hate. No, he was about love, love for the enemies, and that's something I, even I, I mean, I definitely struggle with how to love people who I, disagree with or people who I just, yeah, have different perspectives on life. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's I've been trying to pray a lot about just how to get into the shoes of the other, how to see the image of God in someone who looks like di differently than me and talks differently than me and, and has a different experience of life than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at with the wave, like just this impending... something that we have to fight and we feel really small against um, whatever that might be whether that's trying to homeschool kids or just trying to have contingency plans or um, we've had significant loss in our community this week and I know people are really confused and asking why and it just feels like you know we've been robbed of life of people that we love medical diagnoses or um, actual life lost in death mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm really praying for um, just comfort for, for those who are listening today to know that you're not alone and um, that we're here, phone call away, and that God is always with us because um, it, it's a hard time to feel alone. Mm -hmm. It's a reminder that I, we never really truly know what darknesses people might be facing, That's that they right. might be very good at hiding, that they might... Um, that just that you said earlier, just quoting from Jeremiah, that like in the darkness we have to plant gardens and build houses and, and there's a lot of tearing down going on in the world, but the simple acts, even the tiniest acts of building up and planting hope and speaking love um, and embodying joy can make a world of difference. Preach so, it, brother. Preach it. All right, let's, <laughs> let's go to God in prayer. Loving God, you meet us in the darkness. You meet us when things are heavy. We thank you for your presence now. We ask that you move within us, God, that you guide us, that you come aboard our ship as we face these adverse winds, that you lead us towards your kingdom of love, of mercy, of forgiveness. God, let us leave behind all these ways that we hate, these ways that we exclude, these ways that we just build obstacles rather than bridges. God, we ask that you comfort all those who are mourning, mourning the loss of life, mourning the loss of friends, of mentors, of loved ones, those who are um, mourning the loss of a job, of security, of normalcy. God, we ask that you comfort them and you spur us to comfort them as well. God, even in the midst of uncertainty of darkness, we give you all the glory. We know that you go before us, leading the way. Let us now pray the prayer that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now for the benediction. Face the wave before you and know that you will make it through. Jesus is in the boat with us. And as you go from this place, may the peace, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Amen. Special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Sean Thompson and Zan DeBose. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Abide with me by William Henry Monk. Gloria Patry by City Hem. And Paper Thin by Leanne Lahavas. Scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.